Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning.
Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. for the call to worship. And hear these words from the psalmist. We will give thanks to the Lord with our whole heart. We will tell of all your wonderful deeds. We will be glad and exult in you. We will sing praise to your name, O Most High. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the peoples. Let us now worship God.
be seated. The proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Trusting in God's faithfulness and God's compassion, let us confess our sins together. Almighty and merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises declared to the world in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O merciful God, for his sake, that we may live a holy, just, and humble life to the glory of your holy name. God created the heavens and the earth, the mountains and the sea. And even more amazing than this is how God recreates us through the Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. may be seated, and at this time I would like to invite the parents of the second graders receiving Bibles this morning to send those children forward, send those second grade students to us. We're going to line you up right here across the front of the church. Come on, up here on the top, all the way across, there you go, marching, 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 and stop, there you go, we want to be able for everybody to see these beautiful faces. Can you all squeeze over a little bit, Riley? There you go, right there. Don't get too far behind there. Okay. Can you all squeeze together like you like each other? <laughs> okay. Let's get you two girls to come right down. Ooh, look, we got more guys. All right, y'all stay here, guys. Let's get you to scoot over here, girls. We want everybody to be able to see you. Don't hide behind those flowers. Okay. Come on, Liza, move up here. Very good. Today is rally day. Today is the kickoff of a new education year. The, the new classes have begun, and we had standing room only in, on the third floor in the lodge with our middle schoolers and our high schoolers and with our children. 
standing room only. We want it to be that way throughout the rest of this education year. Typically on rally day, we'll all get together in the fellowship hall or the gymnasium and we will talk about the new classes and we will present Bibles to our second graders. But we're doing it a little bit differently. We have changed things. Change! Yes, we've changed things. And we're going to present the Bibles to these second graders today in worship. This is a very fitting time and place for us to acknowledge this step in their young lives, to present them with a Bible that is written in a way that they can understand it. In our church, we participate in something called Bibles for Life. We give infants their first Bible. We give second graders a Bible. Our students get a Bible when they go through confirmation, when they graduate from high school and from college. We give the Scripture to our children so that they can read it and understand it and live it by the grace of the Holy Spirit. So we celebrate with the families and these young ones today as we present Bibles on Rally Day. Miss Debbie Spear, our Director of Children Ministry, is going to be my handy assistant. And the first Bible goes to Liza. God's word to you, Liza. This is for Daniel Mosley. Here he is. I told Daniel he's wearing red because Georgia won, but he said no, it's because we're celebrating today. Bible for Vivian. Here you are. God's word to you, Vivian. Gabriella, where are you? There you are, dear. God's word to you. Melanie, where is Melanie? Oh, here she is, Melanie <laughs> McElroy. God's word to you. This is for Andrew, and it's spelled A-N-D-R-U, just the way you spell it. That's God's word to you, Andrew. And Taylor, where's Taylor Hancock? God's word to you, Taylor. You're welcome. Madden, this is for Madden Hatcher. There you are. God's word to you, Madden. This is for Taft. Here he is. There you are, Taft. Y'all wondered why Jones was standing up here. This is for Bennett. God's word to you. This is for Walker. There you are, Walker. God's word to you. Look at them. They're already reading it. <laughs> this is for Riley. Here you are, Riley. God's word to you, Riley. This is for Ellie. Where are you? There you go, dear. Hiding behind the flowers. God's word to you. Does everybody have a Bible? Your very own. Take care of this. This is God's gift to you. This is the story of God's love for you. Read it. Read it with your family. Read it with your friends. It will tell you things that will take you on a journey like no other. It'll take you on a journey of God's love. Let's pray with these young people. Loving God, you have told us that your word is 
uh, a lamp, a light, and a lamp unto our feet, a guide for our path. And we are so grateful that today we celebrate with these second graders, that we give them your word, your light, and we pray that by your Holy Spirit that you will lead them on that path that you have for them, that well-lit path as they follow Jesus Christ, the light of the world, into all of their exciting and hope-filled days. In the name of your Son, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Now, at this time, we want to invite the rest of the children to come forward. You're going to go with Miss Debbie Spear to Children's Church. So if the rest of those who are going to Children's Church will come forward, we will excuse you at this time. Now, as the, as the children are exiting for Children's Church, we have one other special acknowledgement and presentation, and I am hoping that Arthur Shipp is on his way into the sanctuary, if he can make it through that sea of children. I thought a couple of them were going to stay on the steps for the rest of the worship service. Here he comes. This is a authorship. Come over here. My brother. This is a bittersweet day for us. Uh, authorship almost 11 years ago... Uh, committed to helping us on Sunday mornings with our broadcast. We were going through a difficult time with technology. We had a remote truck outside, and uh, we needed somebody to help us. And he came to our call and provided that help and has continued to do so for almost 11 years. We don't think that he has missed a Sunday in 11 years. I can't say that. <laughs> we're not sure what we're going to do without him. But the church has made a decision to, uh, to move to a, a, a more full-time position in audiovisual and, and TV technology. Arthur already works in the TV world at WRBL and has a very full-time job and a recent promotion, I understand. But he has faithfully served us so well, and we want to acknowledge in front of you and in front of the TV uh, ministry, the man who has helped us proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through this wonderful gift that God has given us called television when it didn't look like it would happen and we've had all kinds of challenges and he knows those challenges better than anyone. But he has helped us weather those storms and helped us stay faithful and helped us uh, stay on the air many times. The session has passed a resolution that uh, I will not read to you, but it will be in our church newsletter. But I want to say, um, I'll just read this from the, from the end of it. It says, Arthur has not only served exceptionally in the ways that we enumerate, but he has been and will continue to be considered a member of this church family. Now, therefore, be it resolved that today, August 26th, the session of First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia, on behalf of its congregation, expresses gratitude and sincere appreciation for Arthur, 
for a job well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Y'all are going to be saying, he's so good looking, how come we didn't bring him out here earlier? <laughs> Arthur, there's another piece of this gift that this congregation wants to give to you to show our gratitude. And we do consider you a member of this family. And uh, I don't know what you're going to start doing on Sunday mornings, but I, there might be a little extra seat in here for you if, uh, if you would grace us with your presence. But we know that God will bless you wherever this piece of the journey takes you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Let us pray. God of grace and God of glory, be known to us in new and fresh ways as we worship this morning. Speak to us through your word and illumine our journeys by your presence. For we pray in the name of the one who is the light of the world, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Those who are able are invited to rise for the reading of our first lesson, which comes to us from Genesis. In the first chapter, verses 26 through 31, and then continuing in the second chapter, verses 15 through 17. Listen now for God's word. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Then the Lord God took the, took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it, and the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
Once again, all who are able are invited to stand for our second lesson. We remain in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. We move to the third chapter. Continue to listen to God's word speak to your life today. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, Who told you? that you were naked. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave me to be with, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent tricked me and I ate. And then turning over to the 21st verse. And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, See, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now he might reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a sword flaming and turning to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. We've only just begun. That's the title of the sermon. I couldn't help but sing it. That song comes to mind. But we have only just begun the story, God's story, laid out in Holy Scripture. And as a church family, over the next 31 weeks, we will pause for Advent. But for 31 weeks, we will journey together, children, youth, and adults, through the story of God's Word. It's going to read like a novel. As a matter of fact, the story has been set up by Zondervan Press in the format of a novel, 31 chapters. The difficult parts, the begats, the, the long list of hard-to-pronounce names, this confusing chronology of what happens when has, has all been kind of smoothed out for us. And the and difficult parts, not hard-to-navigate parts necessarily, but they have been 
given to us in a concise format so that we can read through the story and understand God's word and God's will for us. The story is a story of God's faithfulness, a story of God's love, a story of the character of God and the lengths to which God will go to pursue us and to be in relationship with us. It's a beautiful story. It's a powerful story. In some places, a difficult and challenging story, but a life-changing story. And this story is still being written. As we encounter the living Word of God, we find in it our own story. For it has been said that one does not really read the Bible, but the Bible reads us. It is a type of mirror for us to see our own selves, to see our own story in the midst of God's beautiful story in Scripture. We find ourselves in this book. And I'm excited, the staff is excited, the pastors are excited, our teachers are excited that we are going to go on this journey together. And coming to worship will be an important part of the journey. But you can't leave it up to just the worship service to give you all of what God has in store for you on this journey. And so we are encouraging you to come on Wednesday nights and hear the pastors and people from the community at large and even a wider circle who will come and lecture on the topic for the week. We're inviting you, most importantly, to invest yourself in a Sunday school class. And that has already begun in such a beautiful way this morning because I walked up on the third floor and we were pulling chairs into the classrooms. There wasn't enough room. It's a beautiful thing to see. And the same was true for our children and for our youth. That will be a very crucial place for you to engage and invest in the story. To, in a more substantive way, listen, question, dialogue, debate, dive into the story. Wednesday nights, Sunday school classes, invest yourself in this story. We've only just begun. We start now at the beginning. Will you pray with me, please? Loving and sovereign God, you are, you have been, you will be. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And Lord, we are restless until we find our rest in you. We are lost until we find our purpose in you. Loving God, as we come to your word today and in these weeks to come as a church family, we pray that you will shine light on the path because we sometimes live in a dark world. We sometimes feel as if we were in places alone, apart, scary places. But bring your light, we pray, to our world and to our lives that we might see you more clearly and follow you more nearly and love you more dearly as you reveal yourself to us in your living word and through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, in whose name we pray, amen. So we want to set up the beginning of the story by talking about some presuppositions. And what I want to do is to touch on some, what I want to lift up as important points at the beginning of the story from Genesis 1, 2, and 3 to establish a framework for our, our journey together. 
From the outset of Scripture, we see the character of God. From the outset of Scripture, we, we see God's plans for God's creation and God's plan for us. It is there from the very beginning we learn about who God is and who God is for us. The first clause of Genesis 1-1 is so powerful in revealing in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Who was present before the beginning? God. God has been, God is, and God will be. God was present in the beginning and what was happening before the creation began? Nothing. Nothing was happening because there was nothing. So we've been taught in our seminary classes and to use the, the Latin phrase to impress is God created ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. There was nothing. Yet God, by God's creative and sovereign will, spoke creation into being. Let there be light. Let there be heavens and earth. Let there be water and plants. God spoke and it was. God is the creator. All of the creating that we may do or think that we do is really in essence a recreation. God has created the raw materials by which everything else comes to be. God creates out of nothing and first. And God created beautifully, completely and perfectly. We see this in the first chapter and I wish we had the time and we will in other venues have the time to go more deeply into this tapestry that God weaves from the very beginning of the way creation is put together and actually the way that this first chapter of Genesis is written like, like a poem because it has repetition, it has rhyme, it has numerical significance. And one of the phrases that, that is repeated throughout this first chapter of the account of creation is that after the first day and God saw all that God created and it was good. And the second day and it was good. Third, fourth, fifth day, good, good, good. And then the sixth day, upon which God created his, his crown of creation, human beings, God saw all that God created, and behold, God saw that it was very good. God delights in his creation and delights in us. And all of what God has woven together is to produce life. This ball that we inhabit as our earthly home is 93 million miles away from the sun. If it were a few miles closer, we would burn up. If it were a few miles further away, we would freeze. We are tilted at 23 and a half degrees on our axis as we rotate around this sun to give us our seasons for growing, for harvesting, for resting, for planting, 23 and a half degrees, uh, a, a bit of a degree off here or there, no life. Our oceans are created with 3.4% salt content, the very content of salt in our bloods that gives us life. And if that percentage is off one way or the other, 
the oceans would not support life. For the, for the creatures that inhabit it or for the planet itself, as it, in the same way our bodies would not support life for us when our blood is not as God designed it. We have 21% oxygen in our atmosphere. Any more, any less, we would not be here. God has put all of these things in a beautiful and delicate balance to produce life. The planet is fine-tuned for life, and God's crown of creation is humanity. The man and the woman created in God's image, meaning that, that we have the capacity for memory, for relationship, for forgiveness, for selfless love to be received and to be shared. We are created in the image of our loving God to be in relationship with God and with one another. And God delights in His creation that is a little lower than the angels, as the psalmist tells us. And as God's crowning achievement, we have been given a part and a place in this, in this creation plan. And God said to the man and to the woman, he's, God said, you are to rule over this creation. You are to have dominion over this creation. And this has been misunderstood. And so from the very outset, we need to, to maybe have our thinking altered or corrected in some ways because we are not given license in terms of dominion or to rule over creation, to do with this home, this planet as we please, to pillage, to bulldoze, to abuse the earth. No, to have dominion and to rule over those that we share this earth with means that we are to be stewards of the earth. A steward is one who is given something that is not their own, but given the responsibility to care for it, for the owner. And God, when God says, have dominion and rule, it is in the role of a steward to care for the earth. For it is our very home. The majesty of God's creation is amazing. And we need to praise God for it. When was the last time that you, that you thanked God and marveled at, at atoms and molecules and electrons and neutrons, the, the very particles, the DNA, the, the intricate minutiae of life and its beauty? Thank you, God, for the DNA strand. By the same token, when was the last time that we went out underneath a night sky and marveled at the heavens that God created and gave to us to enjoy and sang a song of praise? Thank you, God, for the twinkling stars. How we respond to our Creator says something about our understanding of our relationship with this loving and generous God. And God has created and given freedom to the man and to the woman. God has given freedom to us. We are not puppets. We are not dolls to be played with or to be trifled with. But God has given us freedom, free will, an opportunity to make choices. God has granted us freedom. 
Someone has called it the dignity of causality. God has dignified us with freedom and the ability to choose which way we will go. To choose a path to the left or to the right. To choose what is wrong or to choose what is right and seek out that way. But the dignity of causality means that God dignifies His creation. And in the free choices that we make in this life, there are consequences that come by the way that we choose. There is a cause and effect in this freedom that God has given to us. Our choices make a difference. Our choices matter. And we see this where God says, here's the creation. Here's this garden of perfection. Enjoy it. Work in it. Partner with me in it. So the man and the woman engage in this perfect gift. And the Scriptures say that they become one flesh and they are naked and not ashamed. The favorite Bible passage of all junior high boys. But it is here in this second chapter that we see in this freedom that God has given to us, there are boundaries that are established in creation from the very beginning. Yes, it is beautiful and yes, it is free, but God establishes boundaries and says to the man and the woman, you can do what you please with this gift that I am giving to you. Enjoy it, eat of the fruit of the trees, but not of this tree. Not of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of it, do not touch it, do not even look upon it or you will die. And it's not that God gave us open boundaries and then decided to, to draw them in. No, they were there from the very beginning. Like any good relationship, it must have boundaries. Like any good game, it has to have rules. And they are here from the beginning. Have you ever tried to play a football game called Smear the Queer? It's, it's when everybody jumps on a person and piles on an individual. And there are no rules. Whoever has the ball is going to get hammered. There's no inbounds, out of bounds. And the game is fun for a few minutes. But usually there are injuries or upset that happen because of the behavior that is engaged in. Have you ever tried to play basketball without lines on the court, without rules? It turns into a melee. Have you ever tried to be in a relationship like a marriage when there are not boundaries and guidelines to the covenant? It may seem like fun for a very short period of time, but God establishes in His relationship with His creation even boundaries. Do not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so here it is in the second chapter that we have the introduction of evil. And we need to understand that evil is real and evil should be taken seriously. But we do not need to ask of the Bible, where did this evil come from? And try to ferret out its origin because the Bible was not written to tell us where evil came from, but to tell us that it exists. And it is as soon as the third chapter of the first book of the Bible that this perfect creation that God has set up takes a turn for the worse. We read from the third chapter that there is a villain. 
Yes, there is good and there is evil, but there is that presence that is counter to God. There is that presence that would want to separate creature from Creator. Where does the serpent come from? Where does the evil come from? Again, we do not know, nor should we try to ferret that out, but the Bible is telling us that that presence is real and needs to be heeded and not ignored. Think about your favorite movie. Think about your favorite book. Think about any child's fairy tale. And in those stories, there is that conflict between good and evil. There is that conflict between the evil prince and the good prince. The good queen and the bad queen. There is that conflict of evil through all of the stories of our lives. And where does it come from? It finds its origin here. There is that presence that would want to drive us away from our loving Creator. And with the freedom that God has given to choose, the choice is made. The choice is made to not only look upon the tree, but go to the tree and then be seduced to take from the tree. And Eve does so. And she eats of the fruit. And then she shares it with her husband. But I am not going to throw Eve under the bus. And Scripture does not do so either. Because there's a very important phrase here in, in this account of what happens at the tree with the serpent. Eve has a dialogue, but she decides to take from the fruit. And then it says she gave some to her husband so that he might eat. Her husband, who was with her also. Adam was not off picking strawberries or hoeing in another part of the garden. He was standing right there with her. And men, we need to understand that. He was standing right there with her, watching, listening. Oh, so God said if we eat of this tree, we will die. Looks like Eve might do that. Let's watch and see what happens, and then I'll decide what I'm going to do. How loving is that? You go first. Let's see how it works for you, and then I'll decide. And so Eve does not fall dead, so Adam takes of the fruit. What we see here in this part of the story, as the mirror is held up to us as men, is we see a passive Adam. Robert Lewis, who is a powerful writer on what it means to be an authentic man, I heard in a interview from him recently and we have studied his work here at the church in our men's group he has said there are basically four things that a man needs to provide for his helpmate for his soulmate the man must provide sustenance material goods for life 
A man must provide leadership. A man must provide protection. And a man must be the spiritual head of the home. But how many of us are abdicating and abandoning our role and our call and have become passive? Honey, you, I'll let you take care of that part of the family. I'll let you take the kids to Sunday school. I'll let you run the kids down to the church for FX 242 and to try to get them to choir. But the role of the man is to be the spiritual head of the household, to protect to lead, to sustain. There may be more of Adam, more of us in Adam than we would like to believe. And so Adam and Eve have their eyes open. They do know the difference between good and evil, and they know the waywardness of their choice, the disobedience of God's desire for them. They have missed the mark. They have fallen short. And what do they do? They cover and they hide. They run from God. And how much is that like our stories when we have done that which was displeasing to God? It sounds familiar to us if we're honest. Barbara Brown Taylor has written a book of few years ago entitled Speaking of Sin. And in that book, she has said that we are in danger of losing that part of our vocabulary, that we don't like to talk about sin anymore. But here it is, even in the third chapter of the first book of the Bible, that we are confronted with sin and we need to confront our own sin because if we do not know sin, then we do not know repentance. And if we do not know repentance, we do not know redemption. If we do not know redemption, we do not know salvation and transformation. And in the face of Adam and Eve's sin, what does God do? God comes looking for them. God pursues them. God seeks them. And God calls to them. In the cool of the evening, where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? Where are you, Chuck? Where are you? Insert your own name. And God is still pursuing us. And Adam responds to God and said, I heard you were coming and I was afraid. Does that characterize our relationship with God? Are we afraid of God? If we fear God in a manner of couching and running, maybe we ought to get to know God in a different and more full way. And God asked Adam, did you eat from the tree of which I told you not to? And Adam says what? The woman made me do it. How much is that like us? We duck and we dodge and we blame and we point. Not my fault. She did it. And so God goes to Eve and says, Did you eat from the fruit? The devil made me do it. And we will blame everyone. On the door of the cathedral in Chartres in France, there is a beautiful bronze mosaic of this scene. And in the scene, God is pointing to Adam after he has eaten the fruit and Adam is pointing to Eve and Eve is pointing to the serpent and the tail of the serpent is pointing back to God it's your fault God you made them but God still pursues yes there are consequences to our sin but God does not leave us there in that place we read that God closed them there are consequences for sin 
and they move into a new phase of life with their eyes open, yes, knowing good and evil, and a part of them has died. Sin and death has entered the story. The enemy has been revealed, whose desire it is to separate us from our loving Creator, to make us suspicious and fearful of this God who loves and delights in us. But God pursues us still. God forgives us still. God is faithful still. And we will see it again and again and again in this story. Despite how messed up and willful and wayward we become like the prodigal, God pursues us. My friends, this is Adam's story. This is Eve's story. This is our story. And this is God's story. A God who is faithful to the first Adam and is faithful to us by giving us the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of it this way, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead has come also through a man. For as in Adam all die and all have sinned, so as in Christ Jesus, all will be made alive. Friends, this is God's story. And it is good. And it has only just begun. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let us stand and respond to the word by saying what we believe using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Almighty, gracious, and loving God, we pray for joy. We pray for those who grieve on this happy day. Their grief is real and we lift it up to your throne of grace. We pray for those who seek healing. We pray for protection from what steals our joy. We pray for joy and by the victory of Christ, we pray for hope. Gathered today are some who wrestle with doubts yet seek to believe. We pray for those seeking hope, reaching for the light through a dark cloud. We pray for those who hope to reconcile differences with spouses, family members, or friends. We pray for hope, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray for vision. May we seek your purpose for our lives, even if it means trying something new, and may we follow it. May we discover your direction for mission, and may we pursue it. And may we join your will to challenge us to grow, and may we actively respond to that. 
we pray for vision. We pray these things in the name of our risen, victorious Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It is good to see you all today and ask you to sign the attendance pads that are at the end of your pews, then back to its point of origin. And following the worship service, please extend that right hand to fellowship. For those visiting with us today, please include your address. And those who are visiting today and those visiting the last several weeks, a reminder that next Sunday, the 15th, already will be the halfway part of the month, we'll be having a prospective members uh, class and lunch following the 11 o'clock worship service. So a nice meal in the parlor that way, a chance to learn more about the church, what we have to offer, and part two will be on the uh, 29th of this month. For those who are worshiping at home, at Spring Harbor, in a hospital room, or maybe you T-vote us and you're watching us later this afternoon, or even watching us online, we send greetings to you too as part of our, our family. There are several things coming up in the life of the church. One, because of the deadline I want to highlight, is a, a church family trip to see the Braves play later this month, a good time of fellowship. That information is in the bulletin. If you're interested, please sign up today. Well, we need to order tickets very soon, uh, this week. Chuck has already spoken much about the story. A last plug in the bulletin, it shows you uh, kind of each chapter from where it comes, the theme. The books are available through there in uh, the uh, reception hall, actually following the worship service. I will go straight there. I've got any questions. Uh, Sunday school classes we have offering, covenant class, and in it together are watching the DVD that kicks off downstairs. For the third floor classrooms, adult classrooms, we're all watching it together. Uh, we're going to bring in some more chairs, and we're going to rearrange that space to make it easier for this coming Sunday. But we had a great kickoff. All three classes met, and then we broke off uh, into our spaces. Uh, this is going to be a great adventure. And I encourage you also Wednesday night, FX242 for children and youth, and for the adults. We'll be back in the fellowship hall, and we'll hear a little bit more about the story uh, Chuck will be teaching this week. Now let us present to God our tithes, our offerings, our gifts, and our very selves.
gracious and all-giving God, we give to you today these tithes, these offerings, and these gifts to further your work here and abroad. We not only give you the fruit of our labor, we give to you our commitments, our personal dedication, and our very lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Children of God, go in peace to love and serve the Lord, knowing that it's by the love of God that you have been created, it is by the grace of Jesus Christ that you have been redeemed, and it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that you are sustained. Go in that full knowledge with joy and with peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>